to the Conversations As You Go podcast again, and uh, really good to have you with us. As wherever you find yourself uh, listening in and tuning in, I trust that this podcast will be a rich encouragement for you as you continue your journey in making disciples and you uh, are following Jesus wherever you are. And uh, our prayer is that as you listen to these podcasts, that you are strengthened and encouraged and that you find yourself uh, just really inspired to take the next step. Today we have a real treat. We're talking to Karen, who's uh, one of our Praxis workers and who has been really seeing some great traction and fruit in Sri Lanka. And Karen is, um, is and with, along with her husband, Spencer, have been on a journey there. And um, we're referring also to a story that is on the... Um, uh, website Two Girls Spark Making Sparking Movement in Sri Lanka and if you haven't read that story I really encourage you to go and have a read of the story of a young girl called Vani and uh, and another one called Shani so uh, really good to have you with us Karen thanks for joining thanks there for inviting me it's really good Karen um uh Welcome, and tell me a little bit about yourself and you and Spencer and, and what you're doing. Okay, so as you already mentioned, I'm married to Spencer. We have two children, uh, and we now have three grandchildren as well. Uh, Spencer and I migrated to Australia 36 years ago uh, from Sri Lanka, and as a newly married couple, uh, however, now Melbourne is home to our family. Um, while both uh, Spencer and I, we, uh, we came from um, an Anglican uh, faith background growing up in Sri Lanka, uh, I, I personally grew up within an extended family context um, of, a cat- of Catholic church traditions. However, my dad's family has a Muslim faith background. In our teenage years, however, one of the most significant influences in both Spencer and my life was Youth for Christ, which I guess shaped a lot of our thinking and the subsequent direction of our lives today. Uh, Currently, Spencer and I are on a ministry team with Praxis uh, with a focus on disciple-making movements. And uh, we find ourselves particularly drawn towards people from other faith backgrounds, uh, probably because uh, we have an understanding of these faith backgrounds and practices uh, within from within the Sri Lankan context. Hmm. Yeah, that's great, Karen. It's been so good to have you guys on team and uh, doing such a great job, and uh, yeah, a real blessing. Um, uh, tell me how you began focusing on d- making disciples in Sri Lanka, because that's where you're from. But we really started the journey while in Melbourne, and um, yeah, tell me how that how that journey started for you. Well, when we migrated to Australia, we had no intention of ever going back or a desire to work among Sri Lankans. Uh, to us, that chapter of our lives was closed. Uh, currently, none of our immediate family live in Sri Lanka. Uh, however, in around, I think, 2014, we found ourselves naturally connecting with Buddhist and Hindu uh, background people from, uh, who are new migrants to um, Australia, to Melbourne, and some of them refugees. And looking back now, we can see how God has been working in us uh, through these experiences uh, to change our own hearts towards, um, well, our own people. 
um, as well as give us a, a heart for people from other faith backgrounds um, who have yet to know Jesus and to be a part of the kingdom of God. Uh, in 2015, uh, the compelling to go back to Sri Lanka started growing within us and it kept growing stronger. Uh, however, it was a sense that we wanted to take the good news not to the, not to the city, not among our people who are friends and relatives from, um, you know, predominantly uh, Christian background, from, you know, middle class to upper class, English speaking, uh, church backgrounds, um, but to actually go among the poor, the road sweepers, the taxi drivers, you know, people from those backgrounds. But to do that, <laughs> we realized that if we went back, it had to be a God word because we didn't have those contacts. And only God could show us, really, the who and the where. Um, so, yeah, so in 2016, Spencer and I, we went back with no idea what we were going to do, except to just pray and ask God, you know, show us a person of peace, at least one person, you know, from this background who, uh, yeah, we could invest in. Uh, and, yeah, that's that's how it started. So 2016, we went back for just one month. Um, the first week we were like wondering, what are we doing here? Uh, we don't know what to do. We were under the radar with our, with our friends and extended family. Uh, and, you know, they thought we were just there for a holiday after, you know, 20 something odd years uh, living in Australia. But we were always looking out, God show us the person. And he did. Uh, and that was really, we knew it was a God thing for us mm. to go back. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, fantastic. You, you mentioned something before that, you know, God had to do something in your heart towards your own people. Tell me a little bit about that. What did God have to do in your heart towards uh, towards the people of Sri Lanka? Well, um, my husband Spencer comes from the minority Tamil background in Sri Lanka, and there's been lots of ethnic uh, problems going back for years and years and in 1983 there were riots and uh, Tamils many of the Tamils fled the country and um, and from that came a real dislike I guess for the majority Buddhist uh, people in the country uh, and uh, yeah so we uh, we applied to migrate and we met the criteria for migration at that time um, and Spencer and I had just been married not uh, about a year. Uh, and so, yeah, so we came back. And in Spencer's mind, I would never go back there. And and we had that was our mindset when we came here. But many years later, um, you know, God took us to the very people that we did not want to work among. And today we have just such an incredible love for the Sri Lankan people Uh here, God started that work in us here in Melbourne. He almost had to remove us from the country to fix our hearts, really. And now our closest friends in the harvest are among Buddhists. Um, and they see us, they love us, and we love them. And that work God started in us here before he actually took us back to Sri Lanka. Yeah, for those that don't know, the the Tamils in Sri Lanka have been undergoing a great uh, persecution there's been there was for many many years a great struggle and uh, atrocities committed and um, 
yeah, Spencer and Karen really had to come out uh, out of that, and um, and uh, quite quite an amazing story that that God had to work in your heart to soften things up. Um, and uh, <laughs> now now you're saying you love love the very people that were the persecutors. So that's just amazing. Yeah, how are things going? Tell us um, what's been happening in Sri Lanka. Uh, well, at the moment, they're going through another huge crisis, a crisis that has never been seen in the history of Sri Lanka, and that is the economic uh, economic collapse. Um, the country is in a really, really bad state. Poverty is just unbelievable. Um, people don't have food to eat. Um, there's, there's no money in the country. And um, now for us to go back there is very hard. Uh, but the work God has started is just, you know, we can see that growing in ways that is just mind-boggling, you know, and when we talk to our, to the team that is there, it's like, yeah, they tell us about all of the struggles that they're going through, but they're just so excited about um, what's happening uh, in the hearts of people. And they're saying, like, they are seeing now as never before that the hearts of people are just so open to hearing the gospel of the kingdom. Uh, and that's a God work. It's a God work. But it's a, you know, it's a hard one because in the middle of all of that, you just see people who are suffering and you can't remove that from, you know, uh, from what, who we are, what we are doing. Um, the gospel has to transform lives. It has to be relevant. Um, it has to give people hope. Um, and so what does that look like? In some ways we feel, you know, we are just not the right people for that space because we sit in a, in a different space that has no, um, you know, can't identify. Uh, but our hearts are there, you know. Our prayers are focused there. Uh, we cry for the people there. Um, but at the same time, you know, God's given us a different role, a different place, and we have to honor him in the space that, that we have, the things that we hold, we need to hold very lightly. Uh, the value for what we have is even more um, compounded, really, uh, of how good God is. But then when we hear the stories from the locals, the people in these rural areas, areas of how good God is in their space, it's like, oh, my goodness, only God can you know, hold the hearts of people and only God can show them how valuable it is to have a relationship with him, no matter what your circumstances are, you know. So I think for, for someone like me and Spencer, I think with what we have been given, we have great accountability, really. Um, and what they have, uh, yeah, to, to hear of them sharing you know, just meals and to sharing, you know. It's just amazing, the work of God that's happening there. And it, it is transforming us. It's changing us, you know. It's giving us a new set of values, things to value, how we live here. It's, it's changing the way that we live here. It's influencing the way that we live and what we have. Um, and the things that we pray about is like changing, you know. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, that's great. Hmm. Karen, just take us a little bit back into the journey and, and uh, you walked in, you made some key contacts and um, 
um, then what happened? Did you just leave them and never contact them again? or <laughs> No, no. And we're just so thankful to God for learning the disciple-making movement principles, really. They are amazing tools. Um, and uh, it, it helps us to actually then focus, you know. So when we went back, we met this girl. Her name was Shama. Uh, we had known her when we were living in Sri Lanka. She comes from a rural background, but she's an educated girl and she worked in the corporate. So she speaks English. She speaks the local language. She's very well connected in rural spaces. She lived a very simple life. And apparently, I mean, she came from a Catholic background, born into a Catholic family. But she told us when we went this time that we had actually shared the gospel with her and that we had actually led her to make a decision to follow Jesus and we had given her her first Bible. This is many years ago. This is many years ago, over 40 years ago. Uh, we had apparently given her uh, her first Bible and so it was just natural for us to talk about what we are doing now. She wanted to know what we are doing now so we talked a bit about what we are doing here in Melbourne with disciple making movements and she was fascinated so um, she went back and then she comes, calls us the next day and she says she shared this with a couple of other of her um, uh, Christian friends from rural areas. They don't speak English. They only speak the local language. And that they were very keen to learn about disciple-making movements, of how this works. And so began our training with these three ladies in the little apartment that we were staying in Colombo. And that's all... That's the time that we invested in that whole month that we were there in these three ladies, um, just sharing with them what we were doing, but actually practically how it was working, you know, whereas um, the DBS and all of that are just tools. They're tools to facilitate movement and how best they can use them. So, yes, they, they learned all of this and we came back to Melbourne. The following year, Sharma got very ill. Um, her health deteriorated and I went back the next year just I went back Spencer said you know it's finances and all that's too much to spend for us to go back to Sri Lanka when the connections we had were really among women so I decided so he said you go back so I went back and I spent another month with these ladies but this time I told them look let's go out of your context where you live in your villages to another place and let's start to put into practice what we have been learning, prayer walking, having spiritual conversations, asking God to show us the people of peace. Let's go do this outside of your context. So um, they said, yes, I suggested a place that was very close to Colombo. But then they were saying, oh, no, we go with our church camps to that place. Can we go to central Sri Lanka? So it was going to be like a, a, a new experience for them. So I said, OK, so I booked um, a train uh, local train fares and we went away to Kandy, central Sri Lanka with these three ladies um, but to stay I had to book a place to stay and I had never gone I had never visited Sri Lanka on my own or traveled on my own never gone to any of these places and Spencer wasn't with me so my cousin suggested there's this um, homestay that you can be in it's safe for you to go with three other women and I went online and booked this place so we went there and this place, this homestay, happened to be the homestay of a pastor and his wife. 
And we went there and we started now. The next day we sat out, we had a quiet time and then we sat together to do some training and then we asked him to suggest places that we can go to pray. Uh, in Sri Lanka, places, high places, you know, places of strongholds. And they wanted to know what we were doing. So we shared a little bit. And then he said, but that's my heart. My wife and I, this is what we want to do. We want to connect with people who are outside of the church in from Hindu and uh, Buddhist villages because they can't be, they can't come to churches. They would be persecuted, you know, and threatened their lives, you know. So it's very, um, yeah, it's very strong there. So, um my heart is to actually how to reach these people. So I said, okay, this is what we do. Share a little bit. And they said, oh, we want to learn more. So anyway, we got these high places and we went and we prayed over candy. That was amazing. I still look back at those photos and think, God, at that time, something shifted, you know, in us. But also, you know, this birth of um, disciples. We came away from there the following year. Um... I, I, Spencer and I then I introduced this couple to Spencer over the and we connected with them on WhatsApp. It's it's worth to note that in be, in between that you really have been on the phone all the time. You know, you're talking yes. to people, you're coaching, you're pouring in between the visits as well, aren't you? Yes, yes. So when I came back, I had to introduce Spencer to this man. I was connecting with his wife, but I. It, and they're a couple. That's whenever I didn't want to be discipling him or coaching him. So introduced Spencer to him and started this beautiful relationship online, WhatsApp. And we used to meet to date. We meet, you know, our conversations go like for four hours, you know, coaching and mentoring. And we developed, but they were the key people. The following year when I went back, Sharma actually got so ill. And, and in, within weeks of my coming back to Australia, she passed away. And the two ladies that we invested into, into Colombo, they didn't carry the vision forward. Um, I mean, it'll be interesting to see when we go back the next time how they are. We will make those connections. But it was as if God used Sharma and these two ladies to actually take us to Candy, and then connected us. The person of peace was in Candy. I would never have gone there. I would never have met them because I would have focused on Colombo. Um, but God used, you know, these three ladies to connect us. And today it's amazing what's happening there in Kandy. You can actually see a movement. And when you're describing a movement, you're describing groups and families coming to Christ. Families and, and groups and villages. And villages yeah. and, and people being baptized. And yeah, yeah, that that's amazing. Um uh, within the current challenges of Sri Lanka, with uh, the economic collapse and um, the uh, the political challenges and riding on the street, tell tell me a story. We 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 I read the story on on the website. Do you, do you want to just tell that story to us again? I'd love to hear it. Yes. Um, so this couple that we were coaching, they started to connect in local villages, and one year they. They, they asked us, can you send us some gifts from Australia for kids? You know, because we want to do a program for children at Christmas and hand out gifts. And Spencer and I talked about it and thought, oh, my goodness, that's not something what we are about, that we want to be sending, you know, all of these gifts to Sri Lanka and them having programs and inviting people and, you know. So 
it was through the doing that they actually caught the vision for JMM. But we thought, okay, we'll do this as a once-off. So how many children? Well, they said there's about 40 children in one village. And in two villages, there are about um, 90 kids. So anyway, we came back home. I shared this with our family and my mom and my sisters and friends, a couple of our Sri Lankan friends said, oh, we'd like to invest in that. So we bought these gifts. I said, you know, not more than $5 value, but and it has to be light because we were going to ship them. So we shipped about 75 gifts, uh, new new gifts, you know, uh, shop-bought gifts. But I had an idea of, you know, I didn't want it to be extravagant gifts, something simple. Anyway, they took these gifts and they went. They have an opportunity to go into the villages because it's Christmas, so because you're going and it's Christmas, it's a festival, they can go into a village and tell the Christmas story and give out gifts, which is what they did in, in this girl, Shani's village. They went into Shani's village and a whole group of children came for this program along with their parents and they told the Christmas story and they distributed gifts. Now we have photos of all of this stuff. And at that meeting, people were coming to... Um, the couple that were, uh, you know, uh, uh, people of peace and asking them to pray for them. So they were praying for the sick and people were getting healed and all of these things happened in that village and they left the village. But this, this, there was this girl, um, Shani, who was a recipient of one of the gifts and she comes to this couple and says, I want to follow Jesus. And they led her to Jesus. But it was not just a, okay, salvation prayer and that's it. She just wanted to follow Jesus. So they were coaching her. She was a 13-year-old girl. She was 12 at that age, at that time. And, and she said, look, I want everyone, my family, and all to know about Jesus. So can you come to my family? So through her, her whole family came to the Lord. And uh, this couple was discipling them and uh, doing discovery Bible studies with them. They are, they are Hindus. Um, and uh, after that, Tikshana actually um, had bone cancer. Uh, sorry, Shani had bone cancer. And that got progressively bad. When she was 13 years old, her leg had to be amputated uh, because of the cancer. The cancer had spread. But she was telling this couple, you know, as long as I live, for whatever lifetime I have, I want as many people to know about Jesus before I die. This is just 13 when she passed away. At her funeral, because the village had seen how this couple had invested in this family and all the things that had happened, the village actually opened up. They all came for the funeral. The house was packed. The street was packed. And uh, some people from other villages who had known um, Shani's family also had come for the funeral. And they were able to share the gospel. Uh, in this home. At the funeral, there was another two girls who were young girls, 12-year-old girls, who had, who, they got to share Shani's story at the funeral. And they wanted, they came and met this couple and they wanted to know about Jesus. And again, uh, this couple led them to the Lord. One of those girls is Vani. Vani told her family about Jesus. And she said, can you please come home? And speak to my parents too, my family as well. And so this couple went on her invitation to that. That whole family has subsequently come to the Lord. And um, I think Vani was baptized at the last baptism. Now that, that family is connecting with people in their village. Since then, 
uh, our couple, this couple has been starting a program. We actually sponsor that, a few of our Sri Lankan friends and Spencer and I and our family, uh, to send food hampers for the poor. Uh, who are struggling at this time. And there are eight families in Bali's village who are recipients of this hamper. They are not believers. They are recipients of the hampers and they have been receiving this for the past two and a half years now. And they can't believe that there are people who don't even know them, who are just no strings attached, who are just, you know, giving them this food. So there's incredible favor in these villages, but it is happening through the people in the villages rather than evangelistic meetings and, uh, you know, preaching and because you can't do that type of thing. So the individual families that have been transformed are now actually influencing their villages. So as a result, you can see this is just spreading to several villages. Now, not just in Kandy, it's spreading towards Colombo. There are other places in Colombo, but the people that are, actually spearheading this or who God is using, interestingly, have been women and young children who have opened up villages, I mean homes initially, their families, and they're all meeting within their families and doing Discovery Bible study. Um, But more than just doing the study, their lives are being transformed, you know, and that is what is actually causing people to look at them and say, I want what you have. Mm -hmm. Very, very powerful story uh, of of young Shani as a 12-year-old who hears a story about Jesus, comes to Christ, her family comes to Christ. She she gets cancer, loses the leg, but she keeps sharing and then she dies. And at her funeral, Vani uh, hears a story and she also comes to Christ. Her family comes to Christ. And now the spread through villages that's uh, taking place um, it's in in a position of suffering and poverty. I love that comment, um, Karen. That it's it's going through women and children, and along relational networks. That this good news is spreading. It's just uh, it's incredibly powerful. Um, um, what what are the two or three things that we can be praying for for the movement that's being birthed there in Sri Lanka, Karen? Uh, well, firstly, we need to be praying for the country. Um, I mean, yes, in the midst of all of that, we can see the gospel moving forward. But actually, we need to be praying for the people and the poor uh, and suffering. You know, there needs to be a change in government. It doesn't look like that's going to happen at the moment. But God, you know, is the God of the impossible. But in the midst of all of this, I think the shaking that has happened for the church and for, um, you know, Christians throughout has been a good thing has been a good thing because it has uh, it is actually pushed uh, the church out into the harvest uh, from from some of the spaces that we can see um, and there is a a, um, a softness a softness towards spiritual things that has never been in the Sri Lankan mentality psyche really especially among the Buddhist and Buddhist in particular but uh, we can see that that has shifted that's been one of the major shifts that we recognize from our background with uh, Sri Lankan uh, Buddhists. So that's a good thing. So we can be praying that God will, in this, with the stirring, that people will actually start to seek God. And that this would be, you know, a, this would, that this is God's timing for the country, for Sri Lanka. 
You know, it's gone through so much, Dave. You know, too many years, too much bloodshed, too much tragedy, you know, in that, that tiny little country uh, that now would be, you know, a move of the Spirit of God uh, in ways that the country has never seen. And only God can do that. So, yeah, uh, that the economic situation, uh, for, the, for the ones that God has already put his finger on and called out into the harvest, um, that their hopeful lives will actually in, influence and inspire others to seek God, I think is something. And for our workers, you know, they're working in very difficult circumstances. There's no fuel. They can't travel around. Uh, prices are just through the roof. They can't afford. Um, you know, you can only walk to so much to places. Uh, so, yeah, so incredibly hard, in hard circumstances, they're trying to um, continue doing the work. But that through these hard circumstances, God will show them where they really need to focus and what it is that they need to be doing and what it is that they should not be doing, but empowering others to actually do so that movement will happen and that it won't be about, you know, the face of certain people and, uh, you know, but it will be uh, spread so much that it will be viral and that they'll be able to let go of things that they don't need to hold on to and actually see how God's working. So, um, yeah, because our heart is really for this couple that we are mentoring and coaching, that they won't be, become too overwhelmed by everything that's happening because a lot is happening. And many are coming to know God in this time, that they won't feel the burden of having to carry all of this and do all of it, you know, but that they will have wisdom, godly wisdom, in knowing what things they can do and what things they actually have to train others to do, Um so that, you know, every single person will be empowered knowing that God is the one who's working in them. And this work is happening not because of who they are or how well equipped they are or how much they know, but because God is choosing to use them. And, um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, for all of the workers. Fantastic, yeah, yeah. Definitely. And if you want to, if you're listening to this going, I'd like to be in touch. I'd like to get some regular prayer updates. I'd love to be standing with Karen and Spencer and the, the movement that's taking place in Sri Lanka. Get in touch with us on the website and uh, that's, uh, and we'll, we'll pass your details on to them. Connect at praxis.org. Connect at praxis.org. And just to say, I'd like to know more. Karen, thank you for your time today and thank you for the stories and there's a there's a lot laying behind this that i know that uh the the face of humanity and of of uh from stories of young girls coming to know jesus dying um to to movement spreading to hope being planted in households and it's really it's really a great story and thank you for sharing with us today um would you like to just finish our time with a word of encouragement for those who are listening um, that that you would uh, think would just encourage us as we press our faces forward to become disciples of Jesus that multiply? Well, for me, in the, especially in the last few days, I've been reading God's Word too. It's become more and more clear. It's all about Jesus, Jesus the King and His kingdom. Uh, we are called to take the gospel of the kingdom to those who do not know the King, Jesus, as yet. Um, the next thing is that God, the gospel actually transforms lives, 
we have to actually see that transform transformation every aspect of a person's life god starts to change hope you know is a big thing god hope brings changes and jesus is the one who gives hope uh the next thing is a lifestyle it's not just a ministry calling for some it's actually a lifestyle to follow jesus wherever you are jesus invested on earth in the lives of his uh, you know jewish believers Twelve disciples, but I was reading the call to Abraham, and I think you know uh, where it says in in um, Genesis chapter twelve to Abraham, God says, "I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you." And it goes on to say, "And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you." So that that message is still going out. Jesus invested in twelve of his Jewish uh, believers, and he still keeps his promise that through. It's going out to all of the nations, and we have the privilege of being those Gentile believers who have been grafted into uh, the wine, and it's such a privilege. So, yeah. So let's continue proclaiming the kingdom of God and Jesus, our King, for as long as we live, until He comes again. <laughs>